0: Well, welcome to the latest in the Predictable Success podcast series, in which we're interviewing people who have achieved predictable success in their own chosen field. I'm Les McEwen, President and CEO of Predictable Success, and today I'm delighted to be joined by David Allen. David, of course, needs a little introduction an author, consultant, international lecturer, and founder of the David Allen Company. David is widely recognized as the world's leading authority on personal and organizational productivity. David's Getting Things Done methodology is one of only two external resources we explicitly endorse here at Predictable Success, so many of you will be very familiar with David and his work. Welcome, David.
1: Delighted to be here with you, Les.
0: Thanks for joining us, David. I really appreciate it. Like I said, most of the people listening are going to be very familiar with you and GTD. We mention it. We recommend it regularly, but most of the folks aren't going to be familiar with your background. Um, Would you share with us a little bit of what led up to GTD? Did it sort of emerge fully formed one day in a visionary trance? Were you working at it for years on years? How how did you get to that point and uh, uh, producing it into the book form that you did in 2001?
1: Well, let's see. Very long story, very short, would be no big overnight epiphany. Uh, small little epiphanies, you know, <laughs> over uh, over an extended period of time. Um, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. All the way into my 30s, and and sort of helped friends start businesses. Was kind of number two guy in a number of small enterprises, and and uh, you know, I just kind of showed up and turned out I, I happened to have a knack for trying to be as lazy as possible and seeing if they were overdoing something and working too hard at something. I say, look, can we can we do this easier? So. Uh, at one point, I said, well, after 35 professions, it's either consultant or flake, so I decided to pay, take the positive route, hopefully hung out my shingles, started my own little consulting practice, where I just said, okay, I'm going to trust if I show up with that kind of focus called how can I make things easier, I'll learn some stuff and hopefully be valuable enough to you know pay my rent. And uh, then I met some great mentors, and, and I, I was hungry for this. Uh, another vector here that, 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 that these sort of emerged together was my interest in sort of the human growth uh, field out there. Like, how do, how do we improve ourselves? And I'm particularly interested in models and principles that if you go apply the principle, apply the model, things work better. I say, well, that's uh, that's Mr. Lazy. I'm the laziest guy in the world, so I intended to you know be a scientist about how to explore all that. And also discovered what I considered the strategic value of clear space. You know, like nice to have a clear head. I in the martial arts training that I did way back in the early 70s, uh, as well as other medi- meditative and contemplative practices I was involved in. Clear space was a nice place to operate from. I was smarter. I could see things better. And But I, then as I got more into the professional world and started, started to consult with a lot of people who were living in very unclear space, And so I was hungry to find what are those things that allow us to stay clear and stay focused kind of in the middle of four people jumping you in a dark alley. And, you know, long story short, again, I I wound up finding and discovering some really great techniques. I I had several mentors. I I list them, I think, in my first book. And And I began to pull it together, and it turned out these things really, really worked. So it took me a long time to kind of figure out what I'd figured out because I thought I was the last guy in the world to learn this stuff. I I did not have any kind of formal uh, you know, business training or education. All of mine was just street smarts out there, and I figured all the really successful people would have already figured this out. And then over the years as I began to discover, I seemed to have come up with stuff that nobody else seems to have recognized. I didn't make it up. I I just began to explore and recognize what were the best practices and the underlying principles and then how would you apply that and then, long story short, through various iterations of little boutique kind of consulting uh, gigs and and, and partnerships, uh, essentially I, I I kind of scaled it all back to just me and my wife back about '96, uh, end of '96. And by that time, I'd, I'd done a good bit of work out there. For you know, I'd been invited into some of the larger organizations and corporations and I'd seen how successful my work was. I'd been asked to, to to format it into an educational model once I'd discovered ways to work with people individually and apply these principles. And then that sort of hit a nerve out there, and it was really very referral-based. It had no marketing or sales. It was just picking up the phone and, and saying, who wanted me next? All that's to say it took me about 20, 20 years to figure out what I'd figured out. Finally, working with a very big global client with some of the best and brightest business people in the world, that basically this what I was doing, the the individual coaching I was doing as well as the workshops I was doing started to go viral inside that organization. I said, Well look, if it works here their immune system would spit you out in about two seconds if your stuff didn't stand toe-to-toe with that kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Then it must be worth it. So all that's a very long version of a very short version of a very long story. About then I decided to write the book. I had a bunch of advisors say, look, David, if you really want to grow your business, you need the book out there as a business card. So I said, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I needed to write a book and, and sort of create a manual for this because there wasn't one. And it didn't seem, there didn't seem to be anybody else who'd come up with what I'd come up with and uh i wasn't sure i could get it into a book but i, I that was an agonizing process i'm sure less you're probably aware you know sure. to to get something simple like that but get it into a form and a format that is actually use, usable and useful in a, in a virtual format like a book and uh that took and then the book launched in, in 2001 and you know the the rest is history as somebody says
0: at the at the point that you uh you sat down to produce the book david uh By that time, had had GTD coalesced into an overarching philosophy. Sorry, methodology, I should say. Yes, Uh, it had.
1: That's one of the things that I. That's why I felt confident in writing the book. I really knew it worked, and I really knew what the process was, and I really knew that you know I had had thousands of people by that point go through public seminars as well as in-house seminars, and a lot of people that I and and other you know of my small staff that had worked with it never failed to work every single thing worked all the time always and so i said okay it's good enough to then put into that package so the methodology was pretty big and by the time i started to sit down to write the book the challenge was how do how would you transmit that if i didn't have two days one-on-one for 16 hours with somebody to get it to them or a whole day or two of seminar and workshop that i could sort of walk people through it and demonstrate it and model it how how could i virtualize it so uh, yeah, the, the the methodology was pretty much baked in by that time.
0: So had there been a point when you realized, was there an aha moment when you thought, I don't have a series of individual best practices anymore. I, I have a methodology. Was there a final uh, sort of capstone at any stage that sort of slid into place and you thought, that's it, it's done now? Or did it just organically
1: develop? Yeah, no, that that's a real good question, Les. Um, you know, in a way... Uh, there have been some epiphanous moments, if that's a word, where I realized that what I had uncovered was really the hallmark or uh, of a much deeper set of principles. Right. So the principle didn't change, but you know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll go out on a limb here and say, look, from my, my working hypothesis about what we're on the planet to do is two things. We need to be responsible for where we have put our creative energy karma if you want to you know use a risk of word like that but it's like okay look you commit to something if you don't close the loop or be you will you will be responsible and held responsible at some point so somehow being responsible for what we have created and simultaneously being responsible as ongoing creative uh uh, you know energy fields uh, you can't stop creating so how do we now be responsible for where we put our focus so essentially You know, I really recognize that the best practices about how do you clean up your desk and your email and your head happen to be the best practices on the planet. It's called, look, we need to be responsible for what we have put in motion and engage with it appropriately so that we can then engage appropriately with where we put our energy. You're either, you know, and so when people started to implement GTD, I watched them go from being driven by latest and loudest, essentially the victims of life, to being in the driver's seat, it may not be fun, it may not be easy, but at least they got hold of the wheel.
0: Well, <laughs> That's <is> the key. <laughs> yeah. And when the book came out in in two thousand and one, yes, yeah. Um, did that have a did the book immediately have an impact on your business and and your life, or did it was it a slow? Book? Well,
1: yeah. Personally, I have to say it well, the first time I, I, that I walked into Barnes and Noble's in Santa Barbara and saw my book on the shelf. I went. Oh my God! <laughs> it's a real thing. You know, it's like giving birth to a baby, I guess. It's been a long, a very long agonizing process, and at some point, I always thought that I wanted to write and I wanted to be a writer. I wasn't quite sure how or in what way, but that's always been attractive to me. So just personally, there was a nice completion uh, about that. And the first time I got an email from a woman who had picked up my book on a shelf in a I don't know a Borders bookstore or somewhere and had actually walked herself through the process as i wrote it in the book getting things done and wrote back to me that it absolutely had changed her life i went yes that was a milestone i wanted called uh, you know my physical body did not have to be there and the you know at least some uh if not a significant portion of the essence of the the best practices that can improve situations was baked into the book and that was very that was a very big thing for me uh, in terms of the business, you know, Viking, the the, the publisher and, and Penguin, they, they they warned me. They said, "Look, business books it seems like over the last five to ten years have started to go through a cycle where sometimes it takes two to three years for them to bake out there." You mm-hmm. know, I think it's because there's more than there's more than three business books published every day in the United States. There are literally over a thousand new business titles just in the U.S. alone.
0: Just right so eye, with I, that, I'm, I'm ignoring those statistics. That I you're know <laughs> it's scary, isn't
1: it? And I mean, we're all behind in our reading. Obviously, I'm you know I'm sitting here looking at a, at a huge stack of stuff on my in my end basket waiting for me to try to get through. Uh, but I think because of that, there's a there's a, there's a kind of a numbness and a skepticism out there. I, I think even if you wrote the truly. You know the next major, major mega hit that you know it takes a while for that to to sort through and everybody's kind of I think everybody kind of subliminally waits around and waits for all the fluff to die away and was that just the was that just the the buzzword de jour right. you know that will have its own short little life lifespan uh, I don't know I'm not sure I'm pretending like I know something about all that I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting on the other side I just wrote it you know but how so I guess the simple answer is no. Not overnight did we get stuff, but I think it was considered a bestseller, you know, in hardback when it was launched. Given what happened, and there was a lot of commensurate press that happened along with that too. For me, and it was kind of hard to say which is which, as you know, there's just lots of ways to get your message out there, and that starts to triangulate by the fifth or sixth time somebody sees it in a different form, and then hears a friend talk about it. You know, then they decide they pick up to pick up the phone.
0: The thing that amazed me about it is. Uh, how quickly it just became an uh, a, an evergreen uh, bestseller is not the right word, but a classic. And uh, I was amazed when I was just trying to remind myself ahead of the interview here that it, that it was 2001. I I I've said to people I've been using GTD since I started in business in 1976, and it's chronologically impossible, but it feels <laughs> like it's got to be right. And I think that's a reflection of the what you said a moment ago—that that what you're writing about isn't just a series of productivity principles. It's how to live in the world, and it just—I've always said truth always feels right, and and I guess that's what you hit.
1: Yeah, well, it takes one to know one less, come on, so we can flip the tables here in terms of it. That's, that's why your book so resonated with me, is I said, this is evergreen. This is a guy who's lived it, he's done it, he's baked it down to what's going to be true no matter where he goes in. As I think I told you this, you're, you were uh, a person of equal laziness. That's right. You know, I said, I, I wanted to find out what was true so I didn't have to keep recreating a story with everybody I talked to. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, and the last thing
0: I wanted to do as well is write a book that had to be updated every year, so <laughs> it's worth Right. Yeah, I but, no, I think you're right, and I,
1: I sort of recognize that to begin with. As a matter of fact, I I had two line edits that we that we 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 really gave that book a bath, looking for any time based uh, you know terminology and also any business uh, terminology. Which since I've been in the business world for, for so long, I couldn't even recognize it myself. Mm-hmm. So I had to have some new eyes on it. So they took all that out. Because I think, and we we thought this really, true, truly could be evergreen, and I think 10 years from now, nobody's going to write another Getting Things Done. No. You know, I no, think that I, right. I got it. Very much like, by the way, Getting to Yes, the same publisher yes. did you know, yeah. Getting to Yes, you know, the same, uh, you know, Yuri's book and, and uh, about negotiation, and nobody's going to write another one of those
0: no. either. Uh, you, somebody might st- steal one-third of the title, but that's about all.
1: All
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. So t- sure. Tell us a little bit about your role in uh, David Allen. Uh, Cole, uh, well, it's, it's just
1: it's just been morphing. As a matter of fact, you know, I've, uh, I I think I didn't really I wasn't really a very ambitious person saying I'm going to go out and take over the world. I I was romantically thinking, Gee, GTD, You know, everybody in the world who needs to keep track of more than one thing in the moment can use it. So, you know, I would I would like to share it with as much of the world, and it improves without exception. Always improves people's. Conditions and situations. So there's a part of me that's more as an educator more, more than a, I guess an entrepreneur or a business person. So, in a way, I was very, um, uh, I, I kind of had the entrepreneurial zeal about getting the education out more than anything else. And to a large degree, um, you know, I kept management of the company and it really grew primarily by, by simply client demand. As I began to do work, and a big client said, "God, we need more of this, more of this," and I just uh, had limits to how much I could do. So I actually have a great network of people and folks that I knew and trusted could catch my DNA and that I could trust to do that. But it grew very, very slowly and very organically, mostly just keeping up with demand. Mm. And uh, pretty much, you know, one of the basic principles I had early on in my company is we're all we, we all act as if we're all alone in this together. <laughs> you know, I needed people who could could manage themselves and and you know, and, and then you have very few, very few consulting firms ever get past one or two people because, you know, you need to hire really good people to do it, and if you hire really good people, they can do it by themselves, and they say, well, I don't need you, so right. almost nobody breaks through that barrier, you know, uh, of, of being able to expand, you know, what they're doing if they're the guy or the woman who wrote the book or who sort of captured the methodology, right. if that's what you're trying to grow, but it, it, ours sort of did start to morph that way. We just had great, attracted great people that were very interested in this, and, you know, and I, I pretty much reinvested all of my stuff back into growth, and a lot of that growth was just hiring really good people that could help try to figure out what to do with this animal, because you know GTD, especially once the book was out, was in both the self-help world as well as the organizational change world, and those are two very different businesses. I mean, I've had very smart people tell me I've been very dumb to try to be have my legs on in, in both of those camps. It truly is like having your feet on two icebergs, because you, you know it's very different business models for sure. for those things. But the truth is I could not, and none of us around here could, could divorce ourselves from both those camps because the truth is that when GTD is applied in an organizational setting, a lot of the change happens because of the individual best practices that key people begin to install and implement. Right. And I, I could not tease those apart. Uh, and so we weren't were, sure where the, whether this was where it was going to grow and how it was going to grow. Uh, anyway, that you, much you longer than what them, you ask about.
0: But no, not at all. You don't split them internally. Uh, you don't have different channels. We don't. No. Okay. We don't.
1: We what we've wound up with, and, and you know, we've got a company of I guess forty-five people now, including some of the, a, a few international folks that that have their own practice, but they're full-time, you know, working with our work. Well. Um, what well, we we wound up developing just different lines of our business, different distribution channels. The core business, really, which we 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 wrap under what we call workplace learning, is really about organizational change, organizational education, you know, and best practices, and how you get them into the organization. That's been our core business anyway, is in the training and development world, in in management and professional and executive development. Right. So that's where that, that's where a lot of that is. And we've tried to you know build a, a set of of products and services that serve that so that we could scale it. And this is actually fairly recently that we've decided to invest our resources to make that happen. So it started out with one-on-one coaching, developed into seminar and workshop business, but now we've added an e-learning component to it, a train-the-trainer component, sort of internal certification for the large organizations that want to internalize the IP. We also have you know, products, you know, we have a few pieces of cool gear that I've designed and sort of not invented but, but sort of customized that, that map to the GTD thing and then a number of products that we're developing like, you know, audio and video things that people can get through our store. So that does address, there are a lot of individuals that can do it. We also have uh, an online marketing uh, business where we, uh you know, ultimately what we do is uh People can, as individuals, be members of that, and that's uh, that's something they pay for individually. But it's also in, is included as part of our performance support package uh, that you know organizations get when they when they you know sign on to do uh, seminars with us. Uh, so it, we've got a lot of number of those kinds of things. Now the individuals out there, obviously, a lot of people uh, buy my book individually. Uh, a lot of people uh, are. You know, tap tap into us through that. You know, they have they have a husband or a wife who went to a seminar inside of a big company, and right. they came home and said, "Gee, dear, you've got to know this. You have to do this." And so they come to public seminars. So we are still reaching out to all those different uh, venues and avenues. But I think right now we're focused, especially for, to, to keep ourselves viable and growing well, and really expanding our work and and making sure that sticks out there in the corporate change world and the workplace
0: learning aspect of it. And, and your role at the moment is that of chairman. What, what does that mean?
1: You know, uh, well, I, I ran the pl- I ran the place myself. Uh, kind of the reluctant CEO, as the people call me. It's like the last thing in the world I really felt like doing. I, you know, I've always been interested in learning new stuff. You know, I have a 2.2 year cycle with all my hobbies. You know, and once and after 2.2 years, I'll sell the sailboat. I'll get rid of my bonsai plants. You know, I'll get bored with chess and go and move into learning Go. You know, and things, so I, I, I'm a jack of all, everything's, uh, but I don't stick with it. But I, so I did actually want to learn. I was very fascinated about, well, okay, how would I grow this thing and 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 make that happen? And I, you know, I'm have a very sort of collaborative style anyway for it. But the truth is, it got out from under me. Had a bunch of advisors tell me this should be much bigger than it currently is. But to do that, I would need some professional expertise that I didn't really have, nor was I particularly interested in developing it. So long story short, three years ago, brought in Pat Smith as my CEO. He'd been an advisor to me before that to begin with, and then that was all part of a bigger, bigger strategy and game to say, okay, how can we grow this thing? Uh, you know, out to where everybody says its potential really is. So I brought Pat in, and essentially, you know, we'd been through the. Uh, you know the, the 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 tough but very rich and rewarding uh, experience of how do I bring somebody on? How do I let go? How do I you know move myself up to? Because quite frankly, and we've joked about it, but it's the truth. My job is really evangelist and visionary, right. and I needed somebody to really take this business as an education distribution business and build that. Somebody who had a lot more experience than I did and 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 more reach than I did and 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 keep, and frankly thicker skin than I do hmm. uh, to be able to just manage all the management stuff. The, the, that you have to deal with to, to grow a business
0: so uh, given your druthers on a given on a given day now David if, if, where would you where do you most get energized spending your time is it with clients is it working talking to
1: people like Les McKeown you know <laughs> no, I, I quite frankly that that's it I love I love meeting bright interesting people doing really good stuff you know part of what what floats my boat is thinking of, of building a global network of best practitioners who, who don't have time to hang out with each other, but when they do, cool stuff happens yeah. that we can all collaborate, get together, and do good work, make money, and have a lot of fun. You know, that's so. Anything that moves thing in that direction would be, you know, is great and is fun for for me. I I, I love the ability to to range around and follow my intuition. But you know I think I should read this guy Les McKeown's book. I got 15 20 books here but that one sticks out and so the freedom to then do that, discover what was in there, know how to then bring that back in and access that value, you know, mm-hmm. create a network and and, and collaboration and, and and connection with 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 folks like you. That's right. really fun. Which you I really could do, do that, that forever.
0: That, yeah, one of the things that I've always enjoyed has just been following uh, the, the sort of little droppings that you leave around of people's names and things that they do, and uh, what's cool about what this guy's doing here has always been uh, high added value content. So you know, even just on your uh, on your Twitter stream, I, I find something uh, that, that's fun and new and enjoyable like two three times every month. You, you, you've got that natural ability to do that, I think.
1: Thanks, thanks, and that, that's been fun. And you know, writing is something I actually love to have done. Right? Yes. Oh, tell me about it, buddy. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yes. I, I love the final, the final result of it, and and it is truly agonizing, but you know, yes. it's, it's a delicious agony. And uh, re- you know.
0: reading is much more fun. <laughs> Uh, you'd me- on that note, you'd mentioned to me that uh, when you read *Predictable Success*, which you'd done in galley form, that, that it had helped uh, as a catalyst in your own thinking. W- what was it about the book that struck you? Yeah, you know, it was huge. I, I,
1: there were a number, of, uh, numerous things that, that I don't know if I could pick one that stood out more than anything else. But you know, just top of mind, I would say, look, Les, what you did was you identified a whole lot of things that, in the growth of my own business, I. Uh, once you said it, the way you said it, I recognized it, but I didn't have the overarching model to know that there was light at the end of my tunnel. Okay. And I think that was the biggest uh, end result of reading uh, Predictable Success was really recognizing um, that you had nailed essentially that that kind of that 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 uh, the tone, I think, of a business that's you know in that place where when you push the pedal, it goes. You know, you take off the pedal, it stops. You know, where it's highly responsive to what's going on, and it that very much matches, you know, what I've explored uh, personally. But uh, you had done the same thing, I think, that I had, which was create a vocabulary around this so I could understand it and and use it as a model to help other people understand what were the things we were experiencing, and it wasn't the end of the world; it was actually a sign of positive growth. So uh, right. that was that was huge, just just huge to do that. I think your definition of you know the the different stages and what kind of person and what kind of behavior works there because you know as as you know because we you know for those of you listening we brought we brought less in for once i read it i said God we got to get this guy in here because our company is going through some of the, the the upheavals of growing something from a mom pop to a larger organization and really recognizing what is whitewater and how that works and that it's just an indicator of growth, and then here's the keys about how you thread through that, and here's the things to watch, and so forth. So all all of that was just extremely valuable, and I'd, it was a context I had never really had before. Uh, you know, I'd met uh, Ichak Adizes and, and some of the other folks who've written about uh, organizational life cycles, but nothing uh, like the way you had had nailed it. Uh, really hit the hit the nail on the head. I recognized I recognized us. And not necessarily, obviously every model is a little simple, as you know, you know, nobody's exactly fits the model, right. but it gave us a common vocabulary. We've already found that extremely useful in the company here, just given some of the fast changes we're going through, as a way to have an outside source kind of let us know and give us a reference point to be able to thread through, you know, intricate and kind of you know, sticky conversations and things. And, you know, yeah. it, it, hey, the salespeople versus the operational people just hate the meetings. They just want out there getting it done. And yet, you got the, you know, me and Pat are both had this visionary component where we're dropping, you know, you know, we're flying over and dropping things on the boat <laughs> <you Right>. know, <laughs> on a regular basis, and you know, and we've got process and the process. Where do we need process? Where do we have too much process? And just great vocabulary, uh, common sense stuff. As you know, as every all this is once right. you know in retrospect, but it was very freeing.
0: Well, in the, in the mutual praise department, uh, I, I had two books very much in mind when I when I sat down to try to carve predictable success out. And I, I t- entirely resonate with, with what you talked about at the top of the call, just that agonizing uh, uh, notion of trying to get something that you typically spend one and a half, two days with people uh, interacting with them and trying to put it into flat words on a, on a printed page. The two books that, that I most had in mind as a model were Christopher Alexander's Design for Living stuff where he you know, shows uh, visual models for what a community should look like. And he just had these beautiful elegant, hand-drawn diagrams. And I thought if I can, if I can get something down in that format so that viscerally when you look at something, you can get an almost immediate sense of, oh, yes, I'm here. And on the other hand, the way you had done on uh, GTD, which literally sat beside me when I was writing this, to produce a vocabulary that says, okay, I, I don't care whether you actually use the words that I'm giving you, but if you can take a set of vocabulary and share it with the people in your organization, it short-circuits the discussion so much. So uh that that's where that all came from and I'm I'm glad it worked for you.
1: Cool. No, it, it it's fabulous and I, I think we're just beginning to take to take advantage of it and you know it's providing a great framework for us as we're threading through how do I get to graduate more into my sort of chairman and visionary and evangelist role right. uh how do we you know grow our team that they can uh, you know build this the, this this uh, you know put the tone of the predictable success. Uh, Quadrant or 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 frame in that to say, are we there yet? Are we not there yet? And you know now, you know uh, now our newly formed sort of corporate board to be able to hold the company now accountable on a regular basis. So I'm I'm I've charged Pat with you know the three things called manage the business, manage the culture, manage the brand. Mm -hmm. And now we have a reference point for managing the culture. It was kind of a throw a dart before and kind of hope and just into it, and we don't know. Uh, but now you gave us a great model for, for mapping at least that very, very, I think, critical component for a lot of businesses these days. Mm. How do we make sure that we've got the culture that can deal with change appropriately, you know, and, and course correct if things get off? You know, that's great stuff.
0: Well, thank you. And I, I, I'd, I'd like to link that coming back to to something that you said earlier on about um, the fact that when you go into work when, – when David Allen Company goes into work with a company um, – you're dealing, obviously, on an individual basis with, with senior executives. You're helping them get their productivity um, together. But are, they, are, are large companies, um, are, are they typically bringing you in because they feel that there are specific individuals that could benefit? Or are they looking to have David Allen Company bring a sort of systemic change to the way they operate? Yes. And, and how do you think <laughs> that? <laughs> all, all, all the above. The well it, It's interesting.
1: <laughs> Well, when you think about it, you know, organizational change is made by key individuals that have organizational responsibility. Right. So you can't find – there is no organization, per se. You know, that's the problem. If you say, well, the team should do it, who? Yeah. <laughs> who <laughs> on the team should do it? You know? So there's always an invi- an individual that needs to be involved. At the same time, the principles of GTD – and I wrote this in my last book, Making It All Work – is are really applicable across an enterprise not just an individual because an individual is an enterprise themselves anyway right. but the same is the, very much the same thing is true so organizationally, the organizational issues are, are exactly the same as the individual ones. They're, things are not under control or things are not appropriately focused. So those two things, do we have things appropriately under control? And that's where the systems and operations and so forth you know, are appropriately there. And that's also even where the vision st- component needs to come in. If you don't have appropriate vision, then you will not be... Aiming the ship where you need to go, and you're going to run into tough waters you shouldn't have run into. So, the, all of it has a control factor to it, and the, you do exactly the same thing. Come in with the teams and say, "What's uh, got the team's attention? You know, what are the what are the what's the clarification the team needs about what's pulling on it right now? What are the projects? What are the objectives? Who owns it? What are the action steps that need to be taken? How do we allocate resources? As you know, this GTD is nothing but just good business language and good business practices." And so, yes, there is a real application of that. Once people have a micro model for themselves personally, they recognize how critical this model might be for the organization. So, to your point, we can build in, and that's what we're doing now through some major organizations right now, is they're using this to help establish a common language as well as to help us facilitate those just good old discussions called what what does 30,000 feet look like, what does 40,000 look like, how will you know when success has happened, what do you, what... What did, what behavior changes in the organization need to happen to move the needle? What is the needle? What, you know, all those great kind of business questions. So giving a framework where they can trust we can build in the vocabulary, I think the big key for us is we have the key to execution. right? And that's usually where all that stuff tends to fall down. So everybody can think through all kinds of models, but when it comes really comes down to it, when you walk out the door, it really comes down to what are people going to do physically differently that afternoon based upon that great conversation had, the great strategic plan, the great vision session, the great you know whatever that was. So being able to build that in and trust that then people will have a systemic way to ensure that things get done on the front end as opposed to on the back. Uh, that's, I think, where where people are starting to see. Wow, you got a you got a neat mix of stuff that we can bring into a culture.
0: Now, do you have the situation that that happens uh, with me, uh, where you go into an organization, you bring that that approach, but there's one key individual who just doesn't want to get on the bus?
1: Yeah. yeah, happens all the time. You know, but it's not it's not like it's not like our stuff created that individual. We just right. speed up the process of having it recognized. Right. Much you, like yours too, I'm sure. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, like when like you, as soon, as, soon as you have stable as soon as you have stable datum, you find out what's unstable. If you have right. no stable right. datum, un, then the unstable stuff can keep wandering around and nobody ever knows where it's coming from. It just feels that way. Right.
0: Now, do you do you act in that situation uh, uh, proactively, or do you let them work it out for themselves? You
1: know, pretty much we let them work it out. It Depends on who's writing the check.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, you know, let's get real. It's like, well, who's your customer,
1: and what are you know, what are the we we always work like everybody has to about managing the expectations. Well, you know, who's bringing us in for what reason? You know, what are they willing to deal with? You know, do they really want to get there? And our job is then to let them know. Well, here's here's what happened. Here's what showed up. The truth is, is once people start to get GTD, I'd say 98% of the time, most people once they sort of catch this, really come on board. They realize it's not some foreign thing that's going to be try to insert it in there, you know. And and the immune system is not spitting it out. As a matter of fact, the the the, or, the organism is going, wow, this is really what we needed because we didn't have to change. It just turbocharged us. Right. But what, when that happens you know, if people have been able to get by with pretending they were more organized than anybody else and suddenly their boss is a lot more organized than them, that shifts the conversation fast. In other words, they can't play those cards anymore. Mm. So there's a lot of times what it does is it it clarifies that. It also clarifies, look, is this yours or is this mine? And it really gets people accountable to, you know, managing themselves appropriately and they can't can't play the victim card a lot after
0: this. Uh, On a Somewhat different note. I'd just be interested. The answer to this might be just no. But are there any areas in which uh, people don't get what you, David Allen Company, and GTD can do for them? Do, do you get put in a sort of two-dimensional cartoon box uh, where people think, "Oh, that's about uh, three-ring binders or, or, or software"? And, and oh yeah,
1: most of the time. <laughs> you know that's that's the big that's the big rock we're trying to push up the hill right now. So, okay, how do we get people to not put us in the time management box? Right. You know because that's not what this is about. It's, it's much deeper than that. That was one of the you know back to our earlier conversation. That was one of my big aha's and also one of my big concerns was that nobody would really catch what was really unique about GTD because it's such a noisy space out there in terms right. of personal organization and productivity. It's not even about the organization. Everybody calls me the organization guy. Because quite frankly, that's mostly what people need to get more under control is they need better system, because most people have over-created like crazy, then their right. system couldn't catch up with it. But the truth is, a lot of people are over-organized that need to unhook from that and focus a lot more on the vision and the 30 and 40 and 50,000 foot stuff they need to be focused on. Right. So I guess the big, if there were a frustration, it would be, and that's that's our big challenge we've got, is to position ourselves not as just, okay, for the lowly schwugs of the world that need time management, but I'm a, I'm a I'm a lofty executive and I don't need that. Right. Well, you know, Drucker, you know, hopefully put the nail in that coffin, but the, but you know, I think understand having people understand the subtler aspect of these these core principles and how they apply and that they can be applied culturally. I don't I don't think there's been a lot of success factors out there about it, so I understand the skepticism. Uh but yes, that's 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 our marketing challenge.
0: So what's next? You know, what what that's one challenge. What else are you um Going to grapple with over the next couple of years. Trying to figure out how
1: to do international. That's a big one. It's a big piece of ours. Yeah, trying to figure what's the best way to do that, where you can keep the quality control, and you really can build a network out there of people that don't start pulling some part of your animal, you know, in ways it doesn't want to go. Right. And and you know, trying to get that one right. I think that's that's a big piece. I think I I think we're at a place now, and, and you know, when you did your workshop with us. You know, you you caught us really at the cusp where we've just gotten to the point where a lot of the tiers of services and products we can now do are now scalable right. really globally for a very large organization. So, you know, we need to get that under our belt, I, and I see that as a, you know, as a nice very much parallel with, as you coached us, it's probably going to take us anywhere from, you know, three to 18 months to get through the whitewater. And a lot of that, I think, is because that's what we've taken on now, is right. those kinds of jobs. those kind. We have those opportunities. The phone's ringing every day yeah. now. So it, we have the stress of those opportunities. And so standing up to that and getting this on to some level of next level of cruise control for the organization so that we're just right. producing that much more value on a much larger scale uh, that's a, that's a big a, a big uh, you know big gum to chew. Mm-hmm. So that that's, that 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 done successfully, not that we need to be huge, but that we are appropriately positioned with the right kind of of clients that we can really 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 do the the kind of good work that I think GTD embedded will will bring forward, right. uh, and and having that happen on a much more consistent basis on a larger scale. That's 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 kind of what's that's what's pulling me.
0: Well, you've done a magnificent job so far, and uh, one of the great pleasures I had of of, uh, spending time with with you and your team was to see what an incredibly loyal uh, group of people that you have. Many of them have been with you for a long, long time, and uh, and highly committed, and boy, are they whip-smart. I mean, that's one intimidating group to go stand in front of, but uh, you've got a huge amount of power under the hood uh, for that engine, so... Very Thanks. Powerful. Well,
1: yeah, yeah, I think so and I think I think a lot of it is just the the nature of the material is so powerful that I, I, just, I really feel like there's something bigger going on than me and I'm just a you know I'm just a warden essentially or a ward of 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 that and hopefully I I'm I'm not in the way and it's attracted some really great people you're right.
0: I don't think there's a single person that would take the view that you're in the way. Well, I, I just want to wish you all the best. Uh, I, I, I hope, I'm really excited about uh, watching everything that happens from here on in. It's been a pleasure to get closer to you and your team, and uh, uh, I hope that we'll get to talk many times in the future. David, thank you very much for spending time with us.
1: Very much my pleasure, Les.